sure who got up on the pulpit and began to preach and he asked the people, how many of you want to go to heaven? And everybody raised their hand except one man. Preacher spoke to him and said, sir, and you don't want to go to heaven? He said, oh, I thought you was taking a load now. (laughs) It often amazes me that we often talk about heaven, but we live as though heaven is here on this earth. Everything that we do or say, we try to create heaven in our own image. Please listen to me here this morning. If your idea of heaven is on this earth, and everything that you can achieve or have while you're on this earth, then that's all you'll ever have. You see, last week I preached a message that I can assure you was difficult for me as it was for you. That I received texts and questions and comments and Chad, you was really adamant on sin. Because I want you to understand here that even though we are unperfect people, imperfect people, sin will not dwell and abide in us continually. We will fall. We are not perfect. This congregation is not perfect. None of us are perfect. We will not be made perfect until the end of the age when we are in the presence of Christ. However, we have got to be a people that are overcomers. And when I talk about overcomers, you will hear this theme continually throughout the text, throughout the Bible, that those who overcome... You see, those who overcome are those who are heavenly focused and not earthly focused. That your lives, every aspect of your being is the mentality mentality to know that you are just foreigners here in a temporary land and that your vision and focus is to one day be in the presence of Christ. You see, that puts all things in perspective. You see, if heaven is all we have on this earth, then that's all we'll ever have, period. What is your focus? Are you an overcomer? You see, this morning's message, we'll be back in Revelation chapter 21. And I want to go through this text, and I pray today that you are prepared for that heavenly home. You see, you'll find more in the text, which is true, that there's more on hell than there is heaven. find that interesting. However, I do find it that hell is difficult to talk about. And hell is a reality. But for those who overcome, there'll come a time when all this has gone away and we will dwell in the presence of Jesus Christ forever. That should encourage you I get so aggravated and tired 
to see those who proclaim to be believers live in utmost misery and complaining. If we're inconvenienced on this earth, on the minor things, how are we as overcomers going to handle the larger things? Guys, we got to be heaven visioned. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Revelation chapter 21. Revelation chapter 21. Let us stand as we read the Word of God. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared, or some translations may say passed away. And the sea was also gone, and I saw the holy city. The new Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among His people. He will live with them, and they will be His people. And God Himself will be with them, and He will wipe away every tear from their eye. And there will be no more death, or sorrow, or crying of pain, for all these things are gone forever." And the one sitting on the throne said, Look, I am making everything new. And then he said to me, Write this down, for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. And he also said, It is finished. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, I will freely give the springs of living water of life. Although all who are victorious will inherit all these things, or these blessings, and I will be their God and they will be my children. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, as we study Your Word, Lord, let it ring into our hearts. Lord, let it be a focus under our minds that we are heavenly visioned. We are cross-eyed. That God, everything that we do is a continual focus on You. For You are greater than all things. And God, will give you the praise and glory for all things. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> John says, and then I saw. As we have gone through the book of Revelation, what we have seen is there is a real Antichrist. There is a real whore of Babylon. There is a real dragon. And they are the things in which we fight against. They are the principalities of the dark that are contrary to the kingdom of heaven. And everything that we will see as we go through the book of Revelation or have gone through the book of Revelation is an encouraging word for those that are overcomers. You see, if you look even at the first churches in, 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 the, in the first few chapters of Revelation, you will see that they had issues too. And what John is writing to is the persecuted church. Those that will face continual trials, and as things get worse, he always uses the theme to overcome. There is a purpose, my brothers and sisters, for us. When you have been changed by Jesus Christ, and He has given you a new nature, He also gives you a new vision. And your new vision is to know that it's your dwelling place in the presence of God. Because so many times we get so consumed by earthly things, we forget what God has done and will do for us. 
I have shared this many times. And as a few weeks ago, I preached on John chapter 14. Christ says, I go to prepare a place for you. Now he said that to the disciples who would die too. That everything that they are so discouraged about, your life will have trouble. Jesus said this, in your life you will have trouble. But I'll give you my peace. In everything that Jesus accomplished on the cross to make men righteous for those who place their faith and trust in Him, it does not end here. But that we look forward to something greater. He said, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. What does that mean? Does that mean the old heaven and earth is annihilated? No, my friends. But it's been regenerated and it's renewed. You don't have to turn with me, but listen. Listen to what Second Peter tells us. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, in which the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the elements will be destroyed with that intense heat, and the earth and its works shall be burned up. Just like the earth in the time of Genesis and Noah was purged with water, there's coming a time when all this wickedness will be purged with fire. And he says... Since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, what sort of people ought you to be holy, conducting, conducting godliness, looking for the hasting and the coming day of the Lord, because of which the heavens will be destroyed by burning and the elements will melt with intense heat? But according to His promise, we are looking for a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. That new heaven and a new earth is not one that's been contaminated by the sin of man. It's not one that's been mired in, in the, all the filthiness that we know, but one created by the man and the foundation of Jesus Christ and the Lord God Almighty who makes all things new. That ought to give you encouragement. There's a new heaven and a new earth. For the old heaven and the old earth passed away. Well, where is heaven? A lot of people ask me that. Well, the Bible talks of three, if you will. We have the atmospheric heaven in which the birds and the trees and everything reach to their pinnacle and glory. One thing that I always find amazing is when I go to Mount Mitchell, you know, I've never been to the mountains on the West Coast, but I, I notice that all the different animals and how things change the higher you go. And it's amazing that I don't know if you've ever done this, but even locally, I think it's an hour and a half away, that even in the midst of summer here in South Carolina and in Greer, when it can be 100 degrees, you can go to Mount Mitchell, and when you're at the very top, it's 68 degrees. It's beautiful. And the birds are chirping, and it's just a beautiful scene. That's the atmosphere, the beautiful earth that our God has created. But there's also the heaven which we have the luminaries. You have Saturn, Mars... And you have all the celestial bodies that God has created. Then you have the heaven, third heaven, if you will, that Paul speaks about. Now, I don't know a lot about what it's all going to entail, but I know that I want to be there. And I know, how do I know it's up? Because the Bible tells me in the book of Acts, as the disciples are looking up, they say, why are you looking up? Because the same way he ascended, he will descend. He's coming back. And I look at this and I think of it and I think of everything that on this earth that I know, no matter how great something may seem, is flawed because it's made with human hands. I'm flawed and so are you. Isaac Watts wrote the famous song at the cross, 
Alas, indeed, my Savior bleed and in my sovereign die. Would he devote that sacred head for such a worm as I? Because Isaac Watts knew in his condition as a depraved man that he was in need of renewal and that could only be bought through Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ that saved Isaac Watts has saved you if you put your faith and trust in Him. You are made new in Christ, but you're still flawed because that nature still lives within you. But one day there will be no more flaws. For what John saw to encourage the people that there's a new heaven and a new earth coming. And the old will be passed away. And the sea was also gone. Now you say, well, what does that mean? And many interpreters have tried to go through this. But I want you to think about this for a few moments. You will also see, if you read throughout the text, that the sea is often attributed to wickedness in the Old Testament. For the sea is what destroyed men in the flood. Uh, the sea is what covered Pharaoh. Isaiah will, will uh, uh, compare the wicked to the ocean. Also, out of the sea, the Antichrist in Revelation 13. So the sea is also attributed to wickedness. So that's may, what the, may have been what the writer meant. The sea is gone. No more wickedness. To me, I think that is beautiful. Because no matter how great you think things are on this earth, they're flawed because they're made with human hands. If you think about you for a few moments, I've used this illustration a lot of times about how at Christmas you'll buy a child a new toy. And it won't be but a couple of months they'll play with something else or they'll play with the box that the toy came in. You see, our definition of new is something that is never satisfied or fulfilled. Listen to me. Because you that always want will always want something else. When that car's paid off, you'll want that smell again and then want a new car. Our newness is never satisfied because it's made with human hands. But the newness that God has created in the heaven and earth will be a new that won't get old because it can't. Do you hear me? And he said, and the sea was also gone. And I saw a holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. I've had the privilege of doing a lot of weddings over my years in the ministry. And the thing that has amazed me that when I'm watching this is watch the husband's faces when they see their beautiful bride walk down the aisle. If you've ever been to a wedding, you'll notice that when the bride walks down, all the audience stands. And they're amazed at the dress and the beauty that walks down and to see the husband and all. Let me tell you something. We're the bride of Christ, people. And this new Jerusalem is a city of dwelling where all that have placed their faith and trust in Jesus Christ will dwell with Christ in God forever. We're His bride. You'll often notice that so many times in Scripture when you talk about the bride in Christ and the illustration of the love, let me tell you something. I want to throw this out on a side note. But we always talk about marriages and what a godly marriage should look like. If husbands loved their wives as Christ loved the church, submission would never be a problem, would it? Side note. But I had to make the comparison. There's imagery here. Just men, just like your brides are special to you. We're the bride of Christ. He loves us. And there is a time that is coming where we will be with the husband Christ, the bride, those that have been redeemed from every tongue, tribe, and nation who proclaim the name of the Lord 
shall dwell together in unity in Him. Amen? That should excite you. I got upset a little bit this week, which that's normal. There's often things that upset me. And it's been a trying week, and I thank you for your prayers. And You know, a lot's been going on in the church with sickness and, and eye surgery and different things. And it just seems that all the time that Satan's on the prowl, and a lot of times in our weakness that, that we often get frustrated. And my wife and I had just bought this washing machine, okay? Now go with me on this. How are you going to make this illustration, Chad? Well, listen. It's one of these little air, con- or air conditioning washing machines that when, it, when, when, you, when you finish washing, it plays this tune. It's kind of cool. It's not real fancy. We bought it used, but hey, it's new to us. And all of a sudden, it tore up. It's making all kind of noises. And I found that it's very easy to get frustrated. So I tear this thing apart. I'm a mechanic and electrician by trade. So sometimes I think I can fix everything, and I can promise you I can't. But I'm in there, and I'm a meter, and I'm looking at different things. I'm getting frustrated. We just bought this thing. Tiffany said, I guarantee you that the warranty is over with it. I said, absolutely. And I found myself getting all tore up. Then it occurred to me, as I'm talking about this message today, It occurred to me, why do we lay our treasure on earthly things? Yeah, it's an inconvenience, but it's not going to change my life. Jesus said specifically to lay our treasures in heaven where neither rust or moth can destroy. See, the problem we have a lot of times as Christians is we want to be heavenly visioned, but we still get hung down and bogged down by those things that rust and moth can destroy. I think it was my grandmother-in-law used to often say when kids would tear up things, you can have things or you can have kids. They're just material. And if you have children, you know what I mean. They're material things. Things that don't matter. Well, yeah, it matters. You had to wash your clothes, but you know what? In the scheme of things... My life in the presence of Christ means more than me being inconvenienced to have to go to a laundromat if I have to. We've got to be heavenly focused. I saw a city, a new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And look what it says. And I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among His people. That ought to make you shake with joy. You see, the Bible tells me that when God created Adam and Eve in the book of Genesis, all was very good. Yet men thought His way was better than God's. And that which He was told not to partake of, He did. And He doomed humanity because of His sin. And all that was good became tarnished. And man has searched for the way to be reconciled to God through eternity. Throughout time, how could we be reconciled unto God? Well, He sent His Son, Jesus Christ. That we may be reconciled unto God because every one of us are sinners. You too. It's not a matter of what you do. It's a matter of who you are that makes you a sinner. And we're all depraved. But God in His mercy, 
sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to become the substitution for sin for you. He become your substitute. He took the wrath of God for you that we may be reconciled to Him. But since we are humans, we're still flawed and have a nature. And see, there's nothing that we can do to stand before God and proclaim our innocence. We have not that right, nor do we have that advantage. But as human beings, when we die, we stand in the presence of God and say, Christ is my advocate. Because when God looks at me, He now looks at Jesus Christ for the price paid on Calvary. But I want you to think about this for a few moments. As we've been reconciled to the Father through Jesus Christ, when He saves us and He renews us, the Holy Spirit that lives in us longs for heaven and longs for that presence to be in the presence of God. And He will dwell with His people. You think about this for a few moments. I have often said, when I get to heaven, I want to see people that I love. I want to see my grandfather. I want to see some friends. I want to find out who wrote the book of Hebrews. I mean, I, I, I want to know some of these things. But what I want to see first of all is my Savior Jesus Christ. Because He's the one that died for me. And knowing without a shadow of a doubt that God the Father is going to tabernacle with us. Amen? He's going to be among His people. Look what the Bible says. And He will wipe every tear from their eyes. I've cried quite a bit this week in different ways. Some of sadness. Some of joy. I can remember as a child crying and mom would wipe away the tears. How many times has you as mother seen that child bust their knee and they cry and they scream in pain and yet with their, your arms as a mother, I don't believe, and I'll throw another side note, I don't believe there's a love greater this side of heaven than a, a love for their mother for their child. But I know that you've comforted those children that have fallen and have been hurt. Or maybe they've lost a best friend. Or maybe you have. And the comfort that you find then someone else that holds on to you and says, it's going to be alright. Well, listen to me. We don't have to want to have somebody tell us it's going to be alright. It's going to be alright. For no longer will those tears be shed. And there will be no more death. Or sorrow. Crying or pain. In all the world that we live in, we're all facing death. We've all have faced death has touched some of us greater than it's touched others. As even this week, two friends of mine went on to be with Christ. It bothers me. And it hurts me to know that on this earth I will not see them again. But because of their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, I can promise that one day we'll meet where there's no more tears or pain. I will tell you this today as I stand here with the solid truth that I believe as Jesus spoke, that there's coming a day when all this death and sickness will be no more. There will be no worry and anticipation. There will be no concern. There will be no crying. There will be no pain. There will be no more cancer. There will be no more when you sit beside the bed of a loved one that they'll know they're fixing to take their last breath. Let me assure you, 
Let me assure you as I stand here today, I believe Jesus lives. And I believe when you take your last breath on this earth, if you are born again believer in Jesus Christ, you take your first breath in His presence. But I can tell you right now, there's coming a time when we're going to be rejuvenated, reunited, reevaluated, if you will, because I'm going to tell you this, I may not look good in this body, but one day I'm going to have a glorified body in the presence of God. And we're all going to fellowship together. Amen? If you have placed your faith and trust in Christ. There will be no more pain. I'll never will forget, and I want to share this story. Of one day we were at this Bible study. And it has haunted me for 20 years that this mother was sitting there praying for her son. Said, you know, I want you to pray for my son because he just don't know where he stands in this world. He's struggling with a lot of things. He was struggling with life. Probably five minutes after she said that, we got a phone call that her son had been killed in a car wreck. And I watched this mother fall to her face and scream out in the middle of this Bible study, I don't understand God why. I would watch that young lady stand up and talk to a lot of people the following Sunday. As God gave her strength to say, let me tell you something, people. Every day that God gives you is a bonus for His glory. What you do with it is up to you. But you've got to cling to Him. You see, let me explain something to you and why I shared that with you. The reason that we're to be heavenly minded is because God has made us reconciled through His Son Jesus Christ, that which we don't deserve. And He sustains us here on this earth. But one day we're going to leave this earth. I guarantee you every one of you going to die. Me included. The death rate is still one out of every one dies. But one thing I am assured of is because of my faith and trust in Jesus Christ, I'm going to be reunited with Him. And one day all the pain will be gone away when we are standing before the throne of God with this new heaven and new earth, and we, are, we are, have a new body, we have a new redeemed, cleansed, reconciled presence in front of God. But listen to me. As our eyes will no longer contain tears, and no pain will fill our bodies, I can't say that for everybody. You see, not everybody's going to heaven. You see, and what's sad is when people that claim to be believers live like they're lost. And we don't have a vision of heaven. We live just like those that are on earth. That our treasures are here. But if Christ is in you and is He giving you a new nature, a new body, listen to me. 
Your burning desire is to be heaven-focused. And being heaven-focused also means that you want others to go there. Amen? And to be heaven-focused means that you need to share the Gospel. Because your time on this earth is limited, and it is troubled, and it is filled with trials and tribulations. And let me tell you, those who overcome will stand in the presence of God and be victorious. But those that do not, will not. Those that do not know Christ will not stand in His presence as the redeemed, but will stand in His presence as the condemned, in which He will say, Depart from Me, I never knew you. Brothers and sisters, there's coming a time, and be encouraged, when all the pain and all the sorrow will be wiped away. But it's for the redeemed. Encouraged. Be encouraged with this. Be encouraged to know that you're just a lonely pilgrim here, if you will, for a while. But also, as you're a pilgrim here, share the good news that there may be other pilgrims. And one day we'll all stand together in the presence of Christ with no more pain or sorrow. And he says, all these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne, look, look, I am making everything new. And then he said to me, write this down. For what I tell you is trustworthy and true. Do you hear what he said? He told John to write it down. Why did he tell John to write it down? Because we're supposed to read it. Read it. And he also said, it is finished. To Telestai. Jesus would utter these words from the cross as the plan of salvation was fulfilled that day on the cross. God will say it is finished as the consummation of this age is now done. And he says, I am the Alpha and Omega. That is the Greek alphabet, the beginning, first letter and the last. I am the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, I will give freely from all the springs of water of life. Blessed are those who thirst and hunger for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Christ is still able to save. And drink of His water, you will never thirst again. And look what it says. All who are victorious will inherit all these blessings. And I will be their God. And they will be my children. If you're familiar with the Old Testament, you'll recognize that. The Abrahamic covenant, the Davidic covenant, where He will be their God and they will be His people. Do you see that? That regardless of whether you're Jewish or Gentile, regardless of whether you're Hispanic or Polish, regardless if you're black or white, all people that are saved by the grace of God shall be together forever. That ought to encourage you. Because we're a chosen people by a God who has cleansed our souls through Jesus Christ. That makes me rejoice. Even in the times of sorrow, even in the times of pain this week, I look that my pain is only temporary. It don't mean it's not going to hurt. 
but all things will be made new. So I ask you today, are you overcomers? You see, the Bible also tells me, listen, I don't have this written down. I read this the other week, but I want you to hear what verse 8 says. But, but, for the cowardly and unbelieving and abominable murderers, immoral persons and sorcerers and idolaters, all liars, their part will be in the lake of fire that burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. But, you see, these first seven verses, John makes it very clear, as God would say, write this down, that our home is in eternity, and we will dwell with our Creator for those who place their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. But, those that haven't, their place is in the lake of fire. Are we overcomers? Do we look at this earth's trials and tribulations as something that bog us down and destroys us forever? Are we consumed by all of life so much that we forget who Christ is and what He did? Or do we overcome? There was a swimmer by the name of Florence Chadwick who at the age of six, she had talked her family into wanting to become a professional swimmer. So at six, she started and tried to swim a 50-yard race in which she finished dead last. So she said, you know what? I'm going to try again and I'm going to learn and I'm going to practice real hard and I'm going to work out. And she did the same thing the next year and the same result. She finished last. Several years later, she decided to do a bay swim in the San Francisco Bay, in which she did pretty good. But she had done had her mind set on being a speed swimmer. And she tried out again and just didn't do too good. At the age of 18, she took three. So discouraged and so upset about her results, she quit. She got married and went on with a family. But she was so consumed that said, what if I would have done what I was good at in distance swimming? Not being what I wanted to be, but what I could do well. Twelve years after she failed to make the Olympic team. She swam the English Channel. And she broke the record. Because she persevered and pressed on. Listen to me. We won't always be everything we want to be, but we can be everything that God has called us to be. And God has called us to be faithful and true and to be overcomers in this world. And I pray today that you're there. You see, I often think 
Before church started this morning, and before I, I usually get up early and come, Tiffany had shared with me about the mission board because I was feeling discouraged on some things. And she had shared an encouragement from the mission board that pastors do not focus on the things, do not focus on attendance, do not focus on whatever it may be, but focus on preaching the Word of God as He has led you to preach. You see, in the days and times that we live in, these crowds that we see in the bodies will become thinner. Because people will flock to what they want to hear. But I can assure you that if we're born again believers in Jesus Christ, we're to take courage and be encouraged as we are overcomers. Because Christ told me that narrow is the path that leads to righteousness and few people find it. But broad is the path that leads to destruction and many find it. Brothers and sisters, we live in a world where I am number one. But let me tell you, if you are a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, you know Christ is number one. And you worry about serving an audience of one and let Him take care of the rest. Amen? And that's what Christ has encouraged me. Again, my job and, 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 and title, if you will, which I use the word title loosely as pastor, I put on my britches just like everybody else. But my job, as I've said many times, is not to fill these pews with people, but to fill people with Christ. And I want to encourage you today that there is something greater in this world than what you have. No matter how large your house is, your family, or how nice your car is, they're temporary. But be heaven-focused, because all those things will pass away. But one day there's coming a time when every single one of us that have placed our faith and trust in Jesus Christ will be united forever together in the presence of God Himself. And that ought to bring you excitement. Amen? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank You for this day. I thank You for Your grace and Your mercy. I thank You for the opportunity to stand here today and proclaim that You are the Alpha and Omega. You are the beginning and You are the end. And God, in Your own time and way, will bring this world to an end at Your time. But God, what I do know is you may tarry. And, and one day, I'm going to have my great getting up morning. But Lord, you have promised me that if I am a part in this life, I am in your presence, if I have been saved by your grace. And God, everybody does not have that. Lord, I pray today if there's one that does not have a personal relationship with you, that you convict their hearts before it's eternally too late. God, I pray today that there are those here that, that are born again, that are struggling in life, that need to be reassured. But God, they can find everything they need in the, Your Word. And they can seek Your face in prayer and in Your Word. God, I pray that You encourage, You uplift, You lead us. And Lord, if Living Way Community Church only exists, that one person come to know Your Son Jesus Christ, then it's been worth it all. And God, let us live our lives being cross-eyed rock and roll Christians and our eyes are on the cross, the foot's on the rock, and our name's on the roll. Amen. Lead us out. Mm -hmm.